guys, welcome to Pop On Guard. I am Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I am Jordan Lee Williams. And today we're covering... Edmonia Lewis. Hell yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? That sounds so I've never familiar. heard of her. Jordan, Jordan made a face I don't think I've ever seen her make before. And no face that I've seen her make in person at all ever. Because <laughs> this is our first time recording together in person. Yeah. It's very exciting. For anyone that has been listening to this podcast, today is the first time that Jordan and I have ever met in person. If that... <laughs> Gives you an idea of what the pandemic has done to us. That's so weird. It's so fun, though. But I like it. Yeah, it's fun. It's really exciting. It's fun to, like, have a friend for a year and then hug them. Real reversal (laughs) of things. Um, But, yeah, I'm really excited to do this episode. Um, I kind of am surprised that this isn't someone that i've heard a lot about it seems like she should kind of be uh somebody that like you kind of blanket talk about even in our really like watered down like black history month version of american history Uh, okay but yeah so i'll get into it uh there is very limited information about the early life of edmonia lewis but we know that she was born around july 4th 1844 Oh, my God. Um, She was of African-American and Native heritage. She was born free and was, quote, often inconsistent in interviews, even with basic facts about her origins. (laughs) Um, Like all artists, like, oh, I can't even remember when I was born. It's whatever. Who cares? (laughs) Real. Keep it real loose with time. It's really more about what I've done since. You know what I mean? (laughs) Do you know where she was born? Yes. So um, on official documents, she variously gives the years 1842, 44 and 54 as her birth year. Uh, <laughs> real cable guy window for birth. Just like I was born somewhere in this decade. I really don't know. Well, I actually I had a friend growing up. Her parents were from Ethiopia mm-hmm. and her mom didn't know when her birthday was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had no idea just because of the way they kept records. Right. She had no idea when her birthday was or what year she was born. Yeah. I definitely have family members that have like a birthday that they kind of picked. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she was born in Albany, New York. Okay. Because also I think it's like country, like you could just be out in country country and be kind of like, this is it took us like a couple weeks to get your birth certificate and yeah. then it was like i don't know it was probably this day like kind or of even i feel if like it they was used to a couple weeks could have been a couple of years it could have been like, like when they tried to put her in school yeah i feel yeah. like it used it, they used to do birth certificates the way the doctor uh the gynecologist asks when your last period was and you just look at that calendar and you're like probably oh, i don't know it was probably <laughs> i don't know when was that birthday party it was probably around this week like they used to just keep it real loose yeah um, well i was really i funny. was only asking because i was curious um where because you said uh indigenous as well and so yeah i don't know a lot outside of like louisiana mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. of african-american and indigenous like, like marriages how, or yeah relationships. yeah because yeah like, that's a big thing down there and there's a lot of history to like i mean learn about but i'm going to put together between what you know what made my family and what is in hers that people were fucking everywhere oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> 
my family's from fucking North Carolina and there's like white and Indian people all over the place like back where like oh on whatever farm like I people in my family were definitely married to white men before that shit was legal and she's in New York so we just covered the whole up well, down into the like, side between us <laughs> new york is a really weird place too because like new york city is like whoa it's a city yeah. and the thing you leave new york city it's fucking country as shit there's just like mountains and cabins and imagine and how country albany was in 1850 yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um so her mother Catherine mike lewis was african and native american and it said that she was of the um masiga obajiwe Objibwe? Objibwe? Yeah, Objibwe. I practiced this, but that was when we were supposed to do this yesterday. Um, (laughs) But she was an excellent weaver and craftswoman who gave Edmonia the name Wildfire. Oh, Um, I love that. I love that. And there are two different African-American men mentioned in different sources as being her father. The first is Samuel Lewis, an African-Haitian man that worked as a valet and gentleman servant. And another source says that her father was the writer Robert Benjamin Lewis. So Interesting. I don't know Interesting. Um, but her brother also just said that like their dad was Haitian. Like it doesn't sound like he was really around like for them to really know much possibly. So they weren't married. It was more just like we had sex and it's whatever. <laughs> I know. I wonder if they had any kind of relationship just because... Um, they both passed away when she was so young anyway but by the so by the time lewis reached the age of nine both of her parents had passed away oh wow her and her half-brother samuel were adopted by their maternal aunts on her mother's side and moved to niagara falls new york that explains why she doesn't know her birthday though because if you're born in the country and you're nine years old and your parents die you don't even know your own birthday yet and you would only have whatever you're aunts picked up like right wise yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um so according to the american national biography she preferred to quote present herself as the exotic product of a childhood spent roaming the forests with her mother's people so this will be a thread that kind of goes through where you kind of don't really falter for it but she's like i'm gonna let you people put me in whatever like box you need to for me to make money off y'all that's, um, that's kind of what you're gonna see happen as it's we continue this story. really funny because we literally just had a conversation about this before recording oh yeah but that continues to happen today with like especially if you are a minority or otherized person essentially if you're not a white dude you kind of are like you'll just let people project things onto you if you're like oh you see value in that great it's that then Mm -hmm. like for me as a woman there are definitely times where like people will treat me in a sexual way and i'm like as long as you buy my paintings i really don't fucking care like (laughs) just buy my art it's whatever Mm -hmm. like you can sexualize or objectify parts of me if that's what you need to do to relate to my work but even if that's not my intention that's fine Mm -hmm. like as long as you don't bother me personally send me a dick pic i don't fucking it's like as long as you only communicate with me by venmo yeah think whatever you want um for real so yeah that's definitely her approach as a to certain parts of her you know just identity as a woman of color in 1850 so and especially at that time that's also for her own safety yeah well 
I feel like we'll see like in pictures and stuff, but she definitely wasn't anyone that was in any position to like pass or anything like that. Right. But it was definitely going to be better for her to lean towards being like a beautiful mixed native woman than like a free slave. Right. Like what you're not a born free like black woman. Yeah. So um, but her brother became a barber at age 12 and for <laughs> I can't even reach the chair yeah. like got the little phone books to like they're up. like our parents are dead we're adults now yeah. like she starts that was the time so um and he did that for about and for about four years lewis and her aunt sold abjiwe baskets and other items such as moccasins and embroidered blouses to tourists visiting niagara falls toronto and buffalo yeah so during this time, she went by Wildfire and her brother went by his native name, Sunshine. And That's adorable. Oh, God, my I know. heart. I know. And he also oh. kicks ass. Like, I took it out just because there was a bunch of stuff. But he's just like a super successful businessman that like owns property and all this stuff. Yeah. I love that. So but he. also like those names. Like, Mama loved them. Yeah. <laughs> so Samuel left for San Francisco in 1852 and by the time Edmonia was in college Samuel was economically well off enough from the gold rush to help her with school so Samuel quote supplied her every want anticipating her wishes after the style and manner of a person of ample income that's really cute so they had money Uh, they got some of that sweet gold rush money So in 1856, she enrolled in a pre-college program at the New York Central College, which was an abolitionist school. Um, There, Lewis met many of the leading activists who would become her mentors and patrons uh, and possible subjects of her work in the future. In a later interview, Lewis said that she left the school after three years having, quote, declared to be wild. I love that for her. (laughs) I love her so much. Okay, so until I was 12 years old, I led this wandering life, fishing and swimming and making moccasins. I was then sent to school for three years, but was declared to be wild. They could do nothing with me. However, her (laughs) academic record at Central College um shows different her grades conduct and grammar are all great she (laughs) took latin french arithmetic drawing composition um and declamation which i guess is public would be public speaking okay and her lowest grade in three years was an 85 out of 100 like is she's full (laughs) she's doing great yes she's like i couldn't be tamed and it's like you're doing fine um but i will say okay as someone who is also like a gifted kid but who would get in trouble for like talking shit yeah like i was also like academically i was achieving well but also like i'm gonna be drawn in class i'm not gonna have my feet on the floor sometimes i'll sit on the deck like i'm just doing whatever the fuck i want because i because i get good grades you let me do whatever so it's like but also mm. i feel like good kids have a different idea of what bad is yes like you're like i'm bad because i'm being yelled at at all and it's like you're not that bad yes um yes So in 1859, when she was about, when Edmonia was about 15, her brother Samuel sent her to Oberlin, Ohio. There she attended the secondary uh, Oberlin Academy Preparatory School, one of the first U.S. higher learning institutions to admit women and people of differing ethnicities. Hmm. Uh, There, Lewis was one of only 30 students of color out of a thousand. 
Jesus. Jesus. Uh, she said that she was later. She would say she was subject to daily racism and discrimination. She and the other female students were rarely given the opportunity to participate in the classroom or speak at public meetings. Um, That's about right for that time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was all face value. And then they got there. and were like, oh, well, that was nice to think about for a while. Um, <laughs> it was here that she would change her name to Mary Edmonia Lewis and began to seriously study art uh she was boarded with the reverend john keep and his wife a white member of the board of trustees for the school and an avid abolitionist and a spoke a spokesperson for co-education so in the winter of 1862 several months after the start of the u.s civil war an incident occurred between lewis and two of her oberlin classmates edmonia maria miles and christina ends uh, were all boarding in Keep's home and planned to go sleigh riding with some young men later in the day. Before sleighing, Lewis served her friends a drink of spiced wine. Shortly after, Miles and Enns fell ill. Doctors examined them and concluded that the two women had had some sort of poison in their system, supposedly cantharides or Spanish fly. Oh. Which can also, we now talk about it as an aphrodisiac, yeah. but it's a extremely hazardous substance. Yeah. Um. So for a time, it wasn't certain that the two women would survive. Days later, it became apparent that they would recover, and initially authorities took no action. Wait, so what does that do to your body exactly? I mean, all I could find was that it was a poison. I don't know what it does to you. Hold on. Um, like, does it... Does it, I mean, because you're saying some people use it as an aphrodisiac. Right. It's like in large quantities, but it's something that a bug makes. It's from a beetle. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I know. I know what Spanish fly is. It's just the, it's something that a bug makes. Yeah. It's the best thing I've ever heard you say. Because <laughs> what does it actually do? It's, oh, it's from blister beetles. So it's from blister beetles, but it ju it says severe toxicity, burning of the mouth and esophagus. That's what it is. Oh. It can burn your throat and things really bad and you the nausea and everything. So I think you'd probably end up starving or hemorrhaging. Oh, God, that's horrible. From like GI issues. So it's basically something that poisons your stomach and esophagus and like all of that. That sounds horrible. But that was the thing that I read was that it burns really bad, apparently. So why is there any reason like why she might have done that? I was trying to figure out why. Why, if anything in spiced wine that's natural would have been near that bug like if you just had a yeah outside oh. that a beetle had been on but if it's in the winter but like if you even touch the bug if they when they bite it burns you the way that it would burn your insides jesus so i really did try to look into some kind of natural way that blister beetles would have occurred in this spice yeah. wine but i couldn't find anything but they also um think that that's what it was like they basically, they don't know for sure got sick they all drank something that she didn't like it was probably in the spiced wine and they deduced that it was spanish fly i guess from their symptoms so because she was wasn't affected that's why they think she was responsible so, sorry say that again so be, she wasn't affected though just her friends right yeah okay because she didn't drink it so that's oh, another reason that okay. they thought that she may have done this on purpose okay so because i could absolutely see i'm just i'm looking up like what is in mulling spice mm -hmm. um cloves 
Yeah, there's could nothing in spice. But cloves could absolutely, if you're sensitive to that, like, I don't know if you guys have ever smoked a clove cigarette. That shit sucks. <laughs> like, it just burns. I used to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been. No. <laughs> <laughs> just smoke cloves exclusively. <laughs> I'm so bad at smoking cigarettes. I will smoke a clove right now. They, <laughs> it's like, they they taste like bad boy nutmeg. Like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> this nutmeg wears a motorcycle jacket. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is the spice that your mom doesn't want you hanging out with. Um, but like, I could just absolutely see there being so many different spices in a thing because, like, that one of them could have been near a bug that had this poison. Especially back or, in the day when white people testing, weren't. They're they're not doing blood work to determine that this no, is Spanish fly. Absolutely. Yeah, so no, what I'm yeah. saying is, I, there could absolutely be a combination of spices that create these similar issues, and mm-hmm. they go, "Well, that's the only thing that creates those right. issues." They used to think that tomatoes were poisonous until they stopped eating them on lead plates. Like, yeah. So also, there's just so many. <laughs> I know some white people that like I've eaten food with them. They're like, careful, this is spicy. And I'm like, and you, you taste it and it's like, it's water. It's not at all. Like, what are you eating? So like, I think that there is like a level of spiciness and some people just have more of a sensitivity to it, especially if you're not like exposed to it. That's true. My well, mom they did think me. they were going to die. So I okay. think it's a little okay. bit more. Than- no, no, but I've had this happen. So <laughs> my mom, it's one of my favorite things because she goes, I didn't realize I raised a white, white bitch. And I was like, okay. But she makes this, uh, it's like a ginger beef, but she Ooh, makes it ginger spicy so, though. No, no, no. She so puts much. chili flakes and chili powder and chilies yes. in it. Like there's so much chili in but this. But wait, that it why is it ginger? Oh, you grate ginger and Oh, there's ginger there. too. Yeah, there's okay, ginger okay. too. But it's just but like so a much. super spice. Uh-huh. It's a Szechuan. So oh. it's, but she makes it so fucking spicy that I have eaten it and gotten bl- like blister burns but also across you're, my face. But also you're a delicate flower. I don't know why you're trying to eat things with that many peppers in them anyway. I only want food that's going to hurt me. I, I love yeah, spicy food. I know. It's all I eat. Right. You should see. A, a, but the rest of your body doesn't. No, I know. Like it can't even touch. Like you said, I can see your stomach handling more than your outside. Yes, that's really can. funny. Yeah. No, no, I am. Like I can see you being able to ingest peppers that you cannot handle with your hands. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> yeah. that's basically what yeah. it is. But like, that's really funny. We have a full, like the fridge door is all different kinds of hot sauce. Like I just <laughs> I can't yeah. not. But no, so like I could see depending on how they can handle spices that truly ruining your life. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but no, they definitely were poisoned with something just because they almost died. <laughs> we went through this oh, whole okay, thing like, fine. okay, but no, but really, they but like poisoned. really, they did almost die. I can't imagine that if the police were like, oh, a black girl poisoned two white girls. That well, they wouldn't invest. Well, look, we'll hold that thought. So days later, <laughs> it became apparent that they uh, would recover. And initially authorities took no action. But the news of the controversial incident rapidly spread through Ohio and the Mm. people of Oberlin were not as progressive as the college. Yeah. Mm. One night, Lewis was walking home alone when she was dragged into an open field by unknown assailants, badly beaten and left for dead. Jesus Christ. After the attack, local authorities arrested Lewis, charging her with poisoning her friends. Uh, John Mercer Langston, an Oberlin College alumnus and the first African-American lawyer in Ohio, represented Lewis during her trial. Although most witnesses spoke against her and she did not testify, the charges were dismissed. 
Her lawyer argued that the contents of the victim's stomachs had not been analyzed and there was therefore no evidence of the poisoning. It was dismissed under the idea that a crime must be proved to have occurred before a person can be convicted of committing the crime. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's so basically weird. like the no body, no crime yes. of it. And during this time, like, you're making wine. You don't seal it correctly. It goes yeah, bad. You get botulism. Yeah, like, it could literally be anything. Right. Like That was the kind of stuff I was thinking of. But, like I said, it, I never saw anywhere written that they what color either of those girls were but the assault makes me think that they probably thought that she had poisoned two white girls yeah yeah um so the remainder of lewis's time at oberlin was marked by isolation and prejudice about a year after the poisoning child she was accused of stealing artist materials from the college but was acquitted due to lack of evidence jesus a few months after that she was charged with aiding and abetting a burglary after that last accusation she left the college in 1863 another report says that she was re- was forbidden from registering her last t- last term which left her unable to graduate and that's why she left so oh, there's two fuck, different reasons that's but wow. basically like she was marked after that and was like yeah this yeah. isn't gonna work so ever. her being like i was just too wild for them is like a way to reclaim her power from oh no she was 15 when she said like not 15 oh okay years, but she was saying like i was a cool young person about this she says like oh this place was horrible she yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah um so after college she moved because once she once another thing happened she she talks more about her experience here once she leaves it okay, okay. i feel yeah. like it's, everything's after the fact yeah like she'll talk about everything which i actually can identify with but she'll talk about everything like once it's over yeah that's um, how i am too though because it's yeah. like you need to process it to fully understand what happened right. to you and understand the motivations of the people that did things to you right but also it gives you time to create a version of the narrative that you feel good about yeah, yeah like, that's true yeah um so after college she moved to boston in early 1864 it was here that she began to pursue a career as a sculptor she often told a story about encountering a statue of benjamin franklin in boston and not knowing what it was or what to call it but concluding that she could quote make a stone man herself (laughs) i love i love it yeah (laughs) to be like i don't know what that is but I'm going to make one. Um, I think all three of us have been there. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I could do that. I could do that. So many times. Um, (laughs) The Keeps wrote a letter of introduction on Lewis's behalf to another abolitionist, William Lloyd Garrison in Boston. Ever heard of him? Um, (laughs) And uh, she was introduced to already established sculptors in the area, as well as writers who um, publicized Lewis in the abolitionist press. Finding an instructor, however, was not easy. Three male sculptors refused to instruct her before she was introduced to the moderately successful Edward Augustus Brackett, who specialized in marble portrait busts. Damn. Um, His clients were some of the most important abolitionists of the day, including Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Garrison, Charles Sumner, and John Brown, who John Brown's like the fucking man. Um, To instruct Edmonia Brackett lent her fragments of sculptures to copy in clay, which he would then critique. Under his tutelage, she crafted her own sculpting tools and sold her first piece, a sculpture of a woman's hand, for eight dollars. Hell yeah! Nice. Which is a God, that's kind of decent money at that time for oh, yeah. a little oh, yeah. study. Like, I can't imagine what it would feel like in eighteen sixty-four, wherever we are, to make something and actually make money off that and be like, I can just keep making it. Like, as long as I can create this, I can potentially, you know. That is me at as a woman seven years old selling walking sticks that I put feathers on to neighbors. Oh, nice. um, 
I but I was already a marketing monster because I bought your Lisa, Lisa Frank. Frank. Yeah, I bought Lisa Frank jewelry but then and lent it to people <laughs> rented it out because i realized that i couldn't make enough money off of selling the pieces individually to buy more supplies like i yeah, had yeah, to yeah. rent them out to buy you were re- the og rent like, the runway yeah yeah fucking genius um, yeah should have not making anything being like i'm gonna sell some shit though um <laughs> so Lewis was inspired by the lives of abolitionists and Civil War heroes. Her first success as an artist came from the sale of medallions she made of clay and plaster. These sculpted portrait uh, sculpted portraits featured images of renowned abolitionists um, and uh, also advocates for Native Americans. Uh, Lewis also drew inspiration from the poet and educator Oh, Longfellow and his work, particularly mm. his epic poem, The Song of the Hiawatha. So, oh, okay. So the epic poem, The Song of the Hiawatha features Native American characters and the um, epic relates the fictional adventures of the Objiwe warrior named Hiawatha and the tragedy of his love, Maneha, a Dakota woman. Uh, she made several busts of its leading characters, which she drew, which she drew from Objiwe legend. Objiwe? I'm sorry for who whoever knows how to pronounce that in advance. Um, her first real financial success came in 64 when she created a Civil War bust of Colonel Robert Shaw, a white officer who had commanded the 54th Massachusetts Infantry composed of African-American soldiers. Oh, um, Shaw. Was Shaw hung? Was he? Oh, wait. Okay, okay. so yeah. Shaw. Sorry, I keep interrupting no. you to ask questions, and then we get two sentences down. No, <laughs> this like, happens naturally, because okay. <laughs> I feel like I do the same thing. Uh, Shaw had been fil- uh, been killed at the Second Battle of Fort Wagner, and contemptuous fe- Confederate troops dumped the bodies of Shaw and his troops into a mass grave. Lewis was imp- inspired to create a bust of his likeness, which impressed the Shaw family, who in turn purchased it. Mm-hmm. So that was her, like, a huge thing for her that the family liked it. Absolutely. So this is the bust so, of Shaw, I think. Yeah. The, I think. Yeah. Just to add, like, one little thing yeah. to that, because so Confederate soldiers threw his body in a mass grave with his troops. And they were trying to disrespect him. And his family actually came out and said that is exactly where yep. he would want to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is the perfect way to honor him, which just pissed him off more. But <laughs> yeah. so like his family was just like, yeah, that's exactly With his where men. he wants yep. to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Um, so people even in the time were kind of able to grasp that this, you know, woman of color is using her art to honor um this person uh so anna quincy waterson wrote a poem about lewis and shaw and i just have this one part from it uh tis fitting that a daughter of the race whose chains are breaking should not receive a gift so rare as genius neither power nor place fashion or wealth pride custom caste nor hue can arrogantly claim what god doth lift above these chances and betoes on few so basically, I feel like if she was like, I, of all the people in the world to have the gift to create a bust this beautiful, it's 
perfect that it was a woman of color basically that's yeah. still fighting for all this stuff um that's really beautiful so lewis would make plaster casts and reproductions of shaw's butts and sold them a hundred of them at 15 dollars a piece amazing damn that's pretty good money for right that time. after what yeah you gave perfect perspective that's of that with your eight dollar lookup legit that's about what i would charge like $300 is more or less what that would be today, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like what I would charge as a person for like my daily artistic take. That includes like all my time for that day. Like, you know what I mean? That's yep. like a small painting that takes you a day, maybe a day and a half to mm -hmm. do. Like, make that money, girl. Nice. Get it. Um, so somewhere in this time, she splits with Brackett, a fellow sculptor and friend of Lewis wrote in a 1864 letter to her sister that Lewis's relationship with her instructor did not in amicably, but did not disclose the reason. Hmm. And then Lewis opened her studio to the public in her first solo exhibition in the same year. So he kind of just goes away and we don't really know why other than maybe <laughs> like she just didn't need him anymore. I don't know. But whatever it was, it wasn't super friendly so from 60 okay. <laughs> um from 64 to 71 lewis was written about and interviewed by a bevy of abolitionist women in boston and new york uh, because of these women articles about lewis appeared in important abolitionist journals including broken fetter the christian register and the independent Hmm. that's right the christian register i don't know um <laughs> you heard it here I, folks yeah i don't know if that's a big deal um lewis was aware of her reception in boston she was not opposed to the coverage she received in the abolitionist press and she was not known to turn down any monetary aid but she could not tolerate false praise she knew that some did not really appreciate her art but saw her as an opportunity to express and show their support for human rights hmm. Lewis Lewis's abolitionist work continued in popularity and in 1866 she used the money she earned um to move to Rome, Italy, where she would work for most of her career. Um on her 1865 passport it says M Edmonia Lewis is a black girl sent by subscription to Italy having displayed great talents as a sculptor, which like I know it's this time but I would get that tattooed on my back if I was her. That's so dope. <laughs> That's dope as shit. <laughs> that's the best uh so Edmonia said of her move i was practically driven to rome in order to obtain the opportunities for art culture and to find a social atmosphere where i was not constantly reminded of my color the land of liberty had no room for a colored sculptor so that makes me feel like she kind of left and was like that's what it was like there like i'm yeah, yeah. uh and europe i mean it's not that europe wasn't racist i know but it was a different kind of racism mm -hmm. They're more polite about it. Yeah. And in Italy, there's, it's even to this day in Italy, though, there is like a weird colorism with like Northern Italy and then yes. like Sicilian people. Because mm -hmm. my family's from Sicily. But like, my dad's like tan and hairy. And yes. you know what I mean? He was like, when, when his family came here, like, he was made fun of for being like Italian and like yeah. that same type of like colorism comes from italy yeah you know? well i feel like there are multiple versions of that and it all just goes back to classism because i know my yeah. filipino yeah. friends have it and Absolutely. it's because like you get to stay inside and not work that's why yeah you're looked down upon is because you're dark from working outside well like, it's also the like colonial part of, mm, yep, of mixing like, and all of that. mixing and then valuing yep, based race on race becomes part of class yep I listened to a podcast on that and how we created that basically at Ellis Island. Um, <laughs> it's 
fun. But yeah, the established sculptor Haram Powers gave her space to work in his studio in Rome. She entered a circle of artists that established and established her own space within the former studio of 18th century Italian sculptor Antonio Canova. I don't know. I just wanted to see if either of you knew who that was. Um, Sounds like he makes delicious cannolis, though. (laughs) That's him. He looks like, huh? Um, (laughs) I love when they put a picture of the artist for something instead of their work. Yes. It makes me giggle. Wait. What did he do? Because it's like, oh, well, that's his face, but that's not why I would know him anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She received professional support from um, multiple Americans, including Charlotte Cushman, a Boston actress and pivotal figure uh, for sculptors in Rome. (laughs) Hehe, Cushman. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Blaze it. Okay. So silly. Um, Oh, and as well as Maria Weston Chapman, a a dedicated worker for the anti-slavery cause. So... Uh, basically, you know, still getting help from like her American friends that fuck with her. So in That's Rome, awesome. Lewis enjoyed more social, spiritual and artistic freedom than what she had in the U.S. She was Catholic and Rome allowed both spiritual and physical closeness to her faith. In America, Lewis would have had to continue relying on abolitionist patronage, but Italy allowed her to make her own um, money in the international art world. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to get into some technical stuff that hopefully you all will appreciate or explain more. So Lewis was <laughs> unique in the way that she approached sculpting abroad. She insisted on enlarging her clay and wax models. See, the thing is, when I'm sculpting abroad, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so The thing so is, you want to make sure you start with the thickness of a body. You know what I'm saying? You got to start with the fucking tits. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those sweet melons in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Sculpting overseas. <laughs> um, I hate you so much. That was great. She, uh, she insisted on enlarging her clay and wax models in marble herself rather than hiring native Italian sculptors to do it for her which was the common practice at the time okay so there are multiple reasons people say that she did this one male sculptors were largely skeptical of the talent of female sculptors and often accused them of not doing their own work yeah Mm -hmm. two sculptors of that time traditionally paid roman stone crafters um and that cost money so a lot of the women (laughs) like uh, other um female sculptors that she worked with like Harriet Hosmer also did the same. She was probably ripped as fuck. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, her forearms were out of control. For real though, like yeah. her biceps and for like she must yeah. have been so strong. Yeah, that's I mean, such I didn't physical think of the photos. Work. She looked sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis was known to make sculptures before receiving commissions for them, or send unsolicited works to Boston patrons requesting that they raise funds for materials and shipping. <laughs> So she would like send people stuff and be like, oh. like this, bet you do send me money. I think is this, that is, what I mean? yeah, this is like those scams where they send you a penny and, and like, then you have it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, or like when you're on the street, someone's like, here, you want the CD? Okay. Yeah. $20. Oh my gosh. No, yeah, she's like, don't touch that bust. <laughs> you're going to have to give her so much money. <laughs> no, yeah. I literally was thinking of the, the characters on Hollywood Boulevard. 
where they will like gang up on yes. you to get a hundred bucks. But oh that's kind of like when you're the outsider, that's the hustle you have to do. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like no one's going to take you seriously. You have to prove you can do it first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she began sculpting in marble, working with uh, working in a neoclassical manner and focusing on naturalism within themes and images relating to black and American uh, native people. The surroundings and the classical world greatly inspired her and influenced her work when she moved to Rome um, and is recreated in the in her art. You'll like see more as we go forward. So she continued to express uh you know, her heritage in the 1866 piece, An Old Arrow Maker and His Daughter. So that one is... Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see it. So, oh, wow. So this is An Arrow Maker and His Daughter. I'm going to put that over there so Andrea can look. That's cool. While I talk about it. Is there a little animal down there? Let me see. Oh, it was a little deer. It's a deer that Aww. they super killed. R.I.P. Thank you, dear. I'm for sure your, it was delicious. Thank you for your life. Um, So uh, the arrow maker and his daughter sit on a round base dressed in traditional native clothing. Uh, at the time, white artists typically characterized native uh, people as violent and uncivilized, but Lewis showed more respect. The male figure has recognizable Native American uh, facial features, but not the daughter. As white audiences misread her work as self-portraiture, she often removed facial features um, from of colored races from the female portrayals in her art. Interesting. So there are female, yeah. So her people, female people are like Anglicanized. Anglic- but because Anglicized. she didn't want people to be like, is this you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that no, makes sense. That is that is a a fucking Italian Renaissance Space. right there. Yeah, yeah. no, uh-huh. that's <laughs> legit. I thought that was a, a boy. I thought it was a young man. Yeah, it does look like a young boy to me too. Um, so as a black artist, Edmonia had to be conscious of her style stylistic choices, as largely white audience off often gravely misread her work as self portraiture, as I mentioned. Yep. Um, and like you said. Uh, the female figure possesses European features. Uh, so she had to balance her own identity as an artist uh, against all of the other things that she knew people were taking into account looking at her art, I guess. I'm just thinking about that. I think it was, was it Maya Angelou who someone interviewed her and was like, or no, it wasn't Maya Angelou. Uh, what's her name? She wrote uh, Beloved. Oh, Toni Morrison? Toni Morrison. Yeah. Someone was interviewing Toni Morrison and they're like, why do you not have white people in your books? And she's like, oh, yes, I've seen that this. happened like weirdly recently, too. No, well, I mean, the it, 90s, there's it was a in the 90s, 90s interview. There's a 90s interview. Pretty recent. Oh, to the be 90s asking is, that. No, the 90s is definitely no. when somebody like on Donahue would yeah. ask you a question like that. Okay. I mean, Barbara that Walters was. was like, that's true. That's trash. when they were like making neo Nazis argue on stage with black reverence. Like, yeah. they oh, definitely would have done that <laughs> shit. They were doing all 90s. sorts of that shit. We didn't give a fuck. But my favorite part is she was just like, why should I? Like, she was like, why should She's like, you have, you guys have every book, you have everything. Yeah. Why can't I just write about you people have all of that these I know? Worlds and she where... she's like, I do have white characters. She's like, right, but they're like not the main character. And she's like, <laughs> why would I? Why write... would I do that? And why I... would I? And I feel like that's because that comes from a view where you automatically assume that you can 
write from another perspective that's the main perspective because you are constantly writing bad black characters for stuff yes. thinking that you know exactly what you're doing so it comes from an arrogance that they also would take on themselves like yeah i would do that so why wouldn't you write something <laughs> about me and it's like because i don't even know where to begin like because yes. my world is not like i feel like there are people that would maybe walk around like a very suburban small town and not realize that not everyone's world looks that way yeah yeah so the second you write about a world that's not that they're like well that's why are you creating this weird world it's like this is not enough white people and it's like that's atlanta yeah (laughs) so i think that's also what people think that you're like intentionally removing when you're not it's like oh no i just literally hang out and live with black people like my family is black like but she's adjusting for her white audience by allowing these like anglicized faces so that she doesn't you know what i mean so that every face is not hers but also probably to make it more commercially saleable yep yeah Mm -hmm. um so in 2007, uh, an art historian, Charmaine Nelson, wrote of Lewis, it's hard to overstate the visual incongruity of the black native female body, let alone the identity in a sculptor uh, within the Roman colony. As the first black native sculptor of either sex to achieve international recognition within a Western sculptural tradition, Lewis was a symbolic and social anomaly within a dominantly white bourgeoisie and aristocratic community. Yeah. So basically, I guess she was just talking about how exhausting it must have been for her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So one of her other early famous works, Forever Free, 1867, which I will pull up next. Hold on, Jordan. Let me tell you. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but like being a woman in industry today is exhausting i can't imagine it in 1864 you're a black native woman in you know what i mean like exhausting yeah so Um, this was i yeah i saw that one and then was like oh i know exactly why i know this name uh and that's i didn't want to pull it up before we were there but yeah i know this one so what is happening here um, so it's a powerful image of an African-American man and woman emerging from the bonds of slavery. Wow. The white marble sculpture sculpture represents a man standing, looking upward and raising his left arm into the air wrapped around his left wrist is a chain. However, the chain is not restraining him. Uh, it's broken. Yeah. Right. To yeah. his right, a woman is kneeling with her hands held in a prayer position. It is seen as a celebration of black, black liberation, salvation and redemption. And he's standing on the the weight that would be attached to the chain. The ball. The, the ball. ball of the chain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is said to represent the emancipation of African American slaves. A uh, Lewis broke conventional stereotypes of african-american women with this sculpture by portraying the woman as completely dressed while the man is partially dressed this drew attention away from the notion of the woman as a sexual figure Mm. it also noted that the chains enveloping the couple represent the lingering truth that the civil war did not bring the freedom promised to black americans which is my favorite part is that they're still there like you're saying like they're broken but the weight of them is still there yeah um so these two works gave way to a major exhibitions during her rise of fame, including one in Chicago in 1870 and one in Rome in 1871. She does like a bunch of world fairs. Yeah, because this one wasn't this. Um, 
Oh, sorry. I was it, so the the base of it says forever free as well. Yeah, um, oh, that's awesome. But this the, wasn't this for a World's Fair or it, a Ven or like the uh, the Venice Biennale. Mm, I feel like it I was don't know for if this thing. one is, but there's one coming that definitely is. Okay. Um. So. Oh, this is just a great story. So in 1872, Admonia was summoned to Peterborough, New York, to sculpt wealthy abolitionist Garrett Smith, uh, a project conceived by his friends. Smith was not pleased at what Lewis completed because she'd done a sculpture of the clasped hands of Garrett and his beloved wife, Anne. Hmm. So he commissioned her for a bust, and then she was like, I'm done, and it was him holding his wife's hand. Wife's hand. <laughs> And he was just like, what the fuck is this? That's some shit I would pull, though. Okay, so that's what this one is. You'd be like, yes. yeah, but the hands are more interesting, <laughs> yes. actually. I mean, I did a whole I did a whole series. Uh, of hands. Uh, yeah, where it was like hands as portraits. So yeah. I get it. I understand what girlfriend's doing here. Yeah. yeah, so the work sold for large sums of money. And <laughs> in um, 73, an article in... A uh, New Orleans paper stated that she had snared two fifty thousand dollar commissions. Hell yeah! Damn. And found new print popularity uh, from her studio as a tourist destination. Hell yes! So in seventy in eighteen seventy six, Edmonia sculpted the death of Cleopatra for the eighteen seventy six centennial exposition in Philadelphia. So this That's was definitely for a World's okay. Fair. I love this piece. Okay. So it's beautiful. It's nuts. Okay. The monumental 3,015 pound marble structure portrays the queen in the throes of death. The piece depicts the, the moment popularized by skate by Shakespeare and Antony and Cleopatra in which Cleopatra has allowed herself to be bitten by a poisonous asp following the loss of her crown. She poured more than four years of her life into this sculpture. It's beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. It's at, stunning. At, what I love about it is a lot of times when we see Cleopatra, she is not wearing the king's headdress. Mm -hmm. And here she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So of the piece, J.S. Ingram wrote that Cleopatra was, quote, the most remarkable piece of sculpture in the American section of the ex exhibition. Exposition. She's uh, also like historically, she's one of the most powerful female characters that we have. Exactly. Because she was like, I'm going to rule this whole fucking empire. Fuck Rome. Like she really just fucked around and found out. But she like went out swinging for her country and for her people. Right. Okay. So now I'm going to go into why this is such a different portrayal of her. So much of the viewing public was shocked by Lewis's Frank portrayal of the death, but the statue drew thousands of viewers. Um, she added an innovative flair by portraying the Egyptian queen in a disheveled and elegant manner, a departure from the refined, composed Victorian approach of representing death. Mm. She also eliminated the usual depiction of Cleopatra being accompanied by loyal slaves from her work. She showed her lifeless body with head tilting back and arms splaying open, which portrays a vivid realism uncharacteristic of the late 19th century. Yeah. She showed the empowered Cleopatra, quote, claiming her biography by committing suicide on her throne. That's from the quotes from a guy at the Smithsonian. Yeah. Uh, she believes Lewis portrayed Cleopatra sealing her fate and having the last word on how she'll be recorded in history Damn. and an idea that may have appealed to Lewis. So I feel like, even what you were saying about her power and everything, Andrea, is like the juxtaposition of looking at this and thinking that it's 
of suicide or as something of weakness yeah. and this being an onus of yeah. life on top of it technically looking hot like there's something sexual about it oh, there like her being like is. open it's and sensual yeah, yeah. Well, her it, titties looks, out. it looks like <laughs> and i didn't even mean that i feel like it looks like the ecstasy of death well it looks like the ecstasy of saint Teresa. yeah oh, it's definitely feeling <laughs> that vibe no so th- this has the a similar um it does feel like the ecstasy of Saint Teresa. Yeah, mm. um, it's it's an Italian sculpture. Like mm-hmm. she would have probably seen it, yep. but it's got this very similar with the head tilted back. Yeah, yes. so you can see it for I sure. I want to look at it. So if you look, oh, that's beautiful. Can you find one of just her face? Because I feel like the face on it is the face similar looks too. very similar. That's what I'm mm. thinking. Yeah, yeah. So right there oh, oh yeah. there we go nah, see so like yeah yeah it's very similar um also and i just because we we did mention neoclassicism uh briefly and i just want to point out like a quick why this would be such a shocking and polarizing sculpture uh-huh. uh because neoclassicism was all about rigidity and order and it was all about this very composed, very... So, like, this image of Cleopatra is so incredibly Baroque. Interesting. It's got emotion. It's got mm-hmm. movement. There's no composure. There's yes. not a lot of rigidity. There's not... No. There isn't this level of, like... It's not rigid at all. She looks no, dead. No, exactly. Like the, like, the classic neoclassicism, the, the one that you death. think of is the... Um, the three sons going to war and it's it's just roman soldiers like at attention and that yeah. is that is kind of like the quintessential of it so this if that is kind of the the world that we are pulling her work into mm-hmm. this is shockingly uncomposed right so <laughs> one artist william j clark jr wrote in 1878 that the effects of death are represented with such a skill as to be absolutely repellent and it is a question whether a statue of the ghastly characteristics of this one does not overstep the bounds of legitimate art damn Uh, they were so upset about that (laughs) so uh imagine if they'd been alive when the walking dead came on air like it's grotesque oh my goodness um so some say that lewis's death of cleopatra may have also been a response to the culture of the centennial exposition which Mm. celebrated 100 years of the united states being built around the principles of liberty and freedom Mm. (laughs) (laughs) a concept probably lost on a woman born free but not far from the centuries of slavery yeah Yeah, recent civil war and the failing attempts and efforts of compromise during reconstruction well the reconstruction era i mean like it it was just as bad in so many ways right oh yeah i mean the reconstruction era it failed to do literally everything that it set out to do right (laughs) it it truly did and it just created the jim crow era Mm -hmm. and yeah so another work 1875's hagar embodies the old testament egyptian slave hagar after being ejected from abraham and sarah's home is Let it not see. this baby? <laughs> it is not that baby. Is it her? H. 
was the last one. Yeah. H there for, we go. H okay. for Hagar. Oh, she's really pretty. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love her Farrah Fawcett. Her. <laughs> yeah. She does. It's beautiful. I um, love how like soft and tender she, even the poses are. Yes. Like she's clasping her hands in front of her. That woman could be on the front of a Danielle Steele novel. Yeah. <laughs> like, for real. She looks for like real. she's like, yeah. Um, also, I love this big like seashell. Jar. Yeah. Seashell jar? It what looks do we like think a jar. That yeah, that's a jar. Okay. Here, we'll see. I don't think the jar is explained. We'll see. Hold on. Because Sarah had been unable to have children, she insisted that Abraham impregnate her slave so that Hagar's child would become Sarah's. However, after Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, Sarah delivered her own son, Isaac, and she cast out Hagar and Ishmael. So she basically was like, oh, accidentally had my own baby. I don't need you to lie for me anymore. Yeah. This piece was made of white marble and Hagar is standing with her hands clasped in prayer, stand, um, staring slightly up, but not straight across. Lewis uses Hagar to symbolize the African mother of the United States and the frequent sexual ab abuse of African women by white men. Fuck. Yeah. Which is definitely, you know, an easy parallel to make having heard that old biblical story. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. And it's such a huge part of our history that no one wants to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't want to talk about it, but we'll still romanticize and sexualize the shit out of the product. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> That's real as no, shit. No. That's absolutely. That was yeah. that. I because wasn't... Cause even not talking about it, I was like, how do we not? Is all we talk about is how hot yeah. mixed kids are. But OK. Um, no, I have a bad habit of laughing when things make me uncomfortable. <laughs> and that is absolutely one of them. Also, like, I, yeah, the Thomas Jefferson of it all is like fucking, of course, what a truly uh not brutal it, well not a, a not poignant but prescient story from the bible to also uh, pick, especially uh -huh. with the thomas jefferson of it all right yeah. um Oh, okay. So quick testament to her fame. U.S. President Ulysses S. Grant commissioned her to do his portrait at one point. Um, she also contributed to the bus of aboli uh, more abolitionists, Charles Sumner, uh, and was also a part of the Atlanta Exposition in 1895. I feel like you could speak to this more, Jordan, but in the late 1880s, as neoclassicism declined in popularity, uh, so did her artwork. She continued sculpting in marble, increasingly creating altarpieces and other works for Catholic patrons and kind of, I think, kind of shifted into like her Catholicism uh, yeah. era. Mm. Uh, she created a bust of Christ created in her Rome studio that was rediscovered in Scotland in 2015. Interesting. Um, you'll hear more of that. Like her work is kind of like forgotten and disappeared and then found other places. Because yeah. uh, that's how we value women. Yeah. <laughs> And in the art world, she became eclipsed by history and lost fame. From 1896 to 1901, she lived in Paris and then relocated to Hammersmith uh, in London, England. The events of her later years are not known. She never married and had no children. Accor according to one biographer, Dr. Marilyn Richardson, there's no definite information about her romantic involvement. But in 1873, there was an engagement that was announced. And in 1875, her fiance's skin color was revealed to be the same as hers, although his name is not given, which is the most old timey thing I've ever heard. Yeah. To be like, I know what color he was. No idea who he was as a person. Like, Jesus that's all crap. 
Christ. Yeah, but, that, but wow, that, that my grandma's that way. You cannot tell my grandma anything about anyone without her going, what color is he? Like she <laughs> needs to know that for the story to continue. And it drives me insane. But it's because that's how they identified literally everything her whole life. Um, well, I will say, so uh, the, because you said that I might be able to speak to this. The no, yeah. neoclassicism yes, yes, yes. of it all. Yes. Um, so we're moving away from the rigidity and the order and the straight lines and the upright and the basically people could be trees, uh, just how stock still they are in these images, to Art Nouveau. Oh, okay. So, so it's now, like fluid and illustrative yes. and stylized. And so now everybody <laughs> Art wants. <Nouveau>. Art <laughs> So now instead of the marble sculpture, which has no movement, everyone wants these posters and you have this this movement towards uh, the Gibson girls and magazines. Yeah, I gotcha. That is not her bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The turn of the century always comes with a new art style. I gotcha. And it is usually the exact opposite of whatever was before it. I gotcha. Um, Yeah, dad, you're... Dumb. <laughs> yeah, your art has to be straight yeah. line. Right. I don't listen to Eric Clapton anymore. Yeah, I was We're about doing- to say, is it like the <laughs> punk rock? Of- <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. We're doing curvilinear now. <laughs> <laughs> According to that's how like them criticizing us for side parts. Um- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, for real though. I got bullied out of mine, but now now because my hair is so long, I can't stop doing the Gibson girl bun. So I'm just like, oh yeah, exactly. I'm just living like I'm this. No. <laughs> You, I like when you just look like you've just been sketched all the time. Yes. That's, yes. I like it's that. It's truly sorry. The, I'm into I just it. had to cover up. Exactly. No, that's what you look like right now. Look at oh, you. Oh, yeah, no. With my- Yes, you're <laughs> literally clutching it up as if you were butt ass naked and we're like, oh, excuse me, I have a cola. Oh my um, God, in my linen pants. I'm truly like I'm just living in the 1910s. I yes. love it. Yes. Also, can we talk about Creepy Baby or is that not? Let me see where Creepy Baby. Oh, yes. Okay, so. <laughs> because Creepy Baby has the worst mullet I've ever seen. Creepy Baby is just in this era of her doing Jesus stuff for people. Okay, okay. So okay. that's Creepy Baby. No, because I love Creepy Baby's adult man face. He's a cherub. But uh, also he's, he's holding like a horseshoe. I was about to say, is his arm is through the horseshoe. He is yeah. not holding it. Is, oh, <laughs> is he chucking like an is adorable ch- bear trap? He looks That's what like, it looks like. Is oh. this a Cupid situation where like it's you catch Cupid, a cherub? Hold on. Now I Someone's like, hey, babe, up. I love you so much. I'd kill a tiny baby with wings for you. Like, what is this for? <laughs> with with uh, fucking. Uh, oh, God. Oh, and it is. His name's poor Cupid. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. It's his hand caught in a trap as he reaches down for a rose. Or Frig- love ensnared. Oh, but also I don't know if it's just this photo, but this baby looks like uh, he doesn't look like a baby. No, he, he looks, looks like a man yeah. with a baby body. He looks like the guy from is it the Griswolds? Is that who I'm thinking of? Or am I thinking of someone from? Barry? Are you thinking about his cousin? He looks a little bit like the cousin, like he Quaid, does. like the big yes. Quaid. You think he looks yes. like the other Quaid? Because I was going to say <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> That's very funny. Also, the sheriff looks a little like L. Ron Hubbard. I'm he just also, saying. He also kind of looks like uh, Barry, like the guy from SNL. Oh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. <laughs> Bill Hader. 
Okay, I don't Billy. see Bill Hader, but it's the hair I for me. I don't, but only because his face is too round. That's yeah, the only yeah. reason I don't see Bill. Bill Hader's very angular. That's but, true. But it says, uh, <laughs> look. Is this based on this, Bill Hader, This show is... <laughs> Um, but look, it says straight up frivolous sculptures like this appeal to the Victorian sentimentality of affluent Americans traveling around Europe. Like she made this as a chachki. It's a tourist. Yeah. It was like, dude, but, I'm out. Let me just make some money. Also, like as someone who has created artwork for religious people, they have so much money that they are not allowed to spend on gambling or any sort of other vice. Like you can't drink. A lot of times you can't smoke. Like all you can do is buy art and pray. You know, you save so much money going to church. Like, if you, <laughs> well, it depends on the church because sometimes oh, they need they like tithe. a new building. No, but I'm saying or, yeah. even no, and you're right, but even. I'm saying straight up as someone who used to be forced to go to church all of the time and not even as much as I could have. I got out of a lot of church, but still. I went to so much church. Like the money that you would give even Wednesday, Friday and Sunday. Yeah. Is not a bar tab. Like they're still coming up. They're still probably coming up most weekends. Yeah, that is fair. It's almost an investment. But yeah, this that's what the cherub is from that era at the end of her life. Creepy little thing. (laughs) I had one more thing because I was thinking about this. um, And it was one of the things that we had studied was and I don't know if you came across this, but in freedom or what was this one called? Freedom of man. Forever free. There we go. Um, I was told that it is a specific choice that she has the female figure still on a knee, almost being held down mm, by the I men. I can see that for sure. Like interesting, using yeah. her as, as leverage to yeah. pull himself up. Yep, that's I mean, so real. And it's also something that you could say is still happening. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, just as also- the idea of. That I would absolutely agree with, even yeah. with everything that we talked about with Hagar. Yeah, just talking about the role of the uh, African American woman and all that. Yes, I can definitely see that. So you guys know this because I was drunk in Vegas recently. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love these fucking Italian with these toes these yeah. toes with more knuckles than a finger i fucking love these i can't but see look at this those, those are david don't bother feet. me as much those are pretty good knuckly no feet. they're knuckly they're still. that shit you could like <sighs> grab see. stuff with these here's things. the thing these are I, grabby that's toes. what my feet those are what my feet look like brother. i was about to say i'm I italian those are what my feet toes. look like and i can't pick things up with my toes oh no i'm i'm exactly the same way i'm italian and i also have yeah. i do have one like creepy little uh De- deformed oh, you toe. have a little baby toe. I, this one's deformed, but this foot, yeah, no, I can. I pick stuff I up with them. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, well, I can pick up stuff with my feet but too. Look how so <laughs> maybe this look is how just... muscular. They're beautiful, and also that's that's a woman's foot. I love, I love the Italian. Like, is that a woman's foot? We yeah. get that you're bisexual. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that it, looks, Jordan. Okay, maybe feet, that is his foot actually that has got to be no and i'm not saying like <laughs> it has to be because that looks like another 
If no, not, it's, her the same. Foot it's her foot because the, t- the it's toe is the ins- because the toe he is on the inside. Yeah, right. That is her foot. Yeah, yeah. Because she. But that's too big for her body. Well, we can't tell how well, tall yeah. she is. They're the same height. Her foot is huge. That's yeah, a big. Yeah, yeah. I love. I love <laughs> that though. Like those old Renaissance sculptures and the Roman sculptures and the fucking. Because I shit you guys, Jordan. Yes, you, you should start an Instagram that is only feet pics <laughs> from of Marvel statues. Marvel <laughs> it's feet pics, but they're never real feet. I'm gonna start it with the photos I took of the it should be David knockout. Yeah, knockout, knockoff in Vegas because I can. You meant only... to say knockout because you think I he's did. Hot. I can <laughs> only hot. touch yeah. his toes, and it is my favorite thing in the world is to go to Caesar's Palace. Oh my god, and that's so funny. David Just like toes. a mile. tangent on jordan's (laughs) art fetish um yeah no i had to say the thing about how you know african-american women are constantly being kept down and nobody can and it's just this constant using them to get even now i mean like the i was gonna make a joke about like no i have to talk about feet but even now like there's this whole thing where it's like let black women save our country it's like, well, that's not their fucking job. That's you, what I was, you shouldn't have to. <laughs> that's why I that. said to, when when you said I was like, yeah, and you could also argue that like many yeah. of the things we've talked about still have a version of yeah, <laughs> it's still today. happening. Yeah, no, yeah. That's why black women are talking about being tired all the time. I feel like yeah. I don't really have that narrative, um, but that's because I mind my fucking business and I'm an only <laughs> child. Not talk to anyone. Um, Except for being on NPR, <laughs> yeah, you have your special only, only at the end, only at the end of a very nice NPR list. Um, <laughs> so from oh wait, I already told you that she moved to London. So yes. um, according to her death certificate, the cause of her death was chronic kidney failure or Bright's disease. Mm. She's buried in Mary's. How old was she when she died? Ish. Oh, let's see, nineteen oh seven. So she's so probably she like 50 about Yeah, if we said she was from 44 to 54. 18, oh, 18, so almost 70. She did yeah. Good. yeah, she did great. Yeah. It probably all that nice European living. Yeah. America would have killed her so much sooner. Um, facts. Yeah. There were... Oh, she's buried at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery in London. There and were her cardio from sculpting her whole life was oh, yeah. probably she was oh, probably yeah, ripped. Poor work oh, alone. Yeah. <laughs> she's so fucking ripped. So funny. Your heart is literally jacked. Um. I did wood carving for like a semester. I had like a semester class of like wood carving, yeah. and by the end of it, like I my hands would hurt all the time, but really? I was like so fucking strong. Really, you and get you so big strong. Things too. Like, I I did small you- things but uh-huh. even just holding the mallet you're just uh-huh. hammering and you're you have to like push in with the mat like you're you're hitting with the mallet you're hammering with the mallet but you also have to kind of push in with the knife to guide it and control right. it so you're like kind of fighting the material uh-huh. a little bit and that's just wood it's still softer than marble same at the time they don't have like a drill there's no right. automatic tools it's just yeah, exactly. a it's chisel like, and a hammer it was hot i don't even know what to do with this like, yeah no you is yeah. marble you literally like you like use a chisel and you like beat into it and then you create like cross sections and then you like hammer it out it's so time consuming and difficult smooth lines on any piece like this it's still a, blows oh, my no, mind it's that's what i always do at museums and stuff is 
look at the fabrics yes. i'm oh, always yeah. oh look that's the, what my favorite part yeah, of cleopatra yeah the fabric is, is oh, amazing yeah. oh my gosh um, it's gorgeous so no, one oh. of my favorite things there's a um a woman did a translation of the odyssey and i cannot remember her name and i feel really bad right now but uh she made a very specific point of one of the characters is a weaver who spends all day weaving and then at night takes apart all of the weaving that she did and she makes a point of calling her hands like thick and gnarled and muscular Uh because the men who had translated it made her very dainty and she's like no Uh she's a weaver that Mm -hmm. is that is work that makes your hands strong Mm -hmm. and muscular Mm -hmm. and yeah that girl's got veins for days dude (laughs) um so uh, there were earlier theories that lewis died in rome um or alternately that she had died in marin county county california marin m-a-r-i-n marin is that marin m-a-r-i-n is that how you spell marin marin oh i've never seen marin written yeah okay so marin county (laughs) uh i thought it would have two r's or something no Uh, no you're good i'm from northern california and one of the things that kills me uh especially because like so the zodiac was up there Uh that was his his thing but people will do podcasts about it and call vallejo vallejo no vallejo and they like really hit and i'm like it's vallejo don't that's like please don't do this to me i like when i first (laughs) moved here i feel like the people were more particular about los filas oh yeah but I can't remember which way. I say Los Feliz. Is that right? I, I have remember. no idea. I call it I call Los, Los Feliz. Okay. There's See? Like- <laughs> but I also, I love I love ruining Keith's life and just being like, oh, we're going to Kahanga. We're going no over to No one says that. Kahanga. I got like, I say Kahanga. Is it not Kahanga? Like, it's Kahanga. It's Kahanga. Okay, okay. But Kahanga. You got to like really put some I, th- I learned that it. from google so I got hopefully in a legitimate fight with an ex about <laughs> villa park in chicago what's that what is it? villa park is the name of a suburb in chicago and he was like telling us a story and he was calling it via park and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about and he's like you people you white people appropriated it i was like i know no. but everyone calls it villa park if you don't call it villa park no one's gonna know what the fuck you're talking about and yeah. not every double l is yours like that's just a <laughs> different language like yeah. the villa there it probably actually italian is villa yeah yeah, yeah. It's so like italian. that's just that's a different Chicago word shit. it was a whole yeah. thing <laughs> it was the dumbest it was one of the dumbest fights that i've ever gotten into it's very funny um oh but yeah so the despite there being like different rumors about when she passed away the final consensus is that ammonia admonia mary wildfire lewis died on september 17th 1907 in hammersmith borough infirmary um known as one of the first black professional sculptors lewis left behind some works but many of her sculptures have disappeared so for example the death of cleopatra after being placed in storage the statue was moved to the 1878 chicago interstate exposition where it remained unsold then the sculpture was acquired by a gambler by the name of blind john who purchased it what hold on why do you think i put this in here I literally read three lines. I was oh like, wait, Blind God. John bought We're it? Just, okay. No, Bl- he won it. 
in a gamble. It says it says acquired. Well, I listen, don't listen, think he bought listen it. Listen to why I say acquired. <laughs> it says purchased it from a saloon on Clark Street to mark the grave of a racehorse named Cleopatra. Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my god. No, but here's the thing, though. If I die and you take a painting that I did to mark the death of your favorite racehorse because I fucking love horses, right. I'm fine with it. But uh, that, but see, I thought you were going to be mad because it was a racehorse, like how they treat racehorses. Uh, that's true. But a horse nonetheless. I no, a horse, like, I love you horses. You are a horse girl. I am but a horse girl. If, if I somebody bought this. horses. Yeah, no, she like if somebody thing. bought one of your pieces and they were like, all right, we are doing dog racing and this dog died. Here you go. But did I still get paid, though? That's no, so you're funny. dead. Also, OK, I'm, I would say if I was dead, I'd be that's like, something fine. that Edmonia would ask. She'd be like, well, <laughs> who paid and how much did it go to my brother? What's up? How did yeah, yeah, yeah. John acquire it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the grave this of is some the horse shit, though, the horse grave was in front of the grandstand of his uh, Harlem racetrack in the Chicago suburb of Forest Park where the sculpture remained for nearly a century until the I'm, land was... I've been there. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, not the okay. statue, but I've been to Forest Park, so I'm like, have I seen this statue? Because it would have been there from... It would have been there until 1978. hundred years. Not like, oh, it was not yeah, alive, I was about to be like, but... Andrea wasn't born no. then. No. I, here's the thing. Just because I was once accused of killing JFK does not mean I was around then. <laughs> no. I mean, a whole thing. I was like, if it was there for at least 100 years, I don't know how long it was after 78. But, um, but it was bought by the U.S. Postal Service and the sculpture was moved to a construction storage yard in Cicero, Illinois. So while at the storage yard, the death of Cleopatra was um, sustained extensive damage. And uh, I've seen how the post handles packages. Story checks out. No. Yeah. And it was. No. Listen to why. At the hands of the well-meaning Boy Scouts who painted and caused other damage to the sculpture. <laughs> what? The Boy Scouts got a hold of it and were like, we'll fix it and just painted her. This is like, like that Jesus redo that they did. Where the <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I do. Scary Jesus? Yes. So then Dr. James Orland, a dentist in Forest Park, no. No, and no, a no. member of the Forest Park Historical a Historical Society acquired the sculpture <laughs> and then put it in private storage. Where finally the Smithsonian got a hold of it in 94. Oh so my God. So it the whole time you were there, it was in storage in Forest Park. So it was close. It was sitting in a mall. It was sitting in private storage in a mall um, until 94. And it cost uh, the Smithsonian and a, let me see. The sculpture came under the purview of the Forest Park Historical Society who donated it to the Smithsonian. There we go. And okay. then the Smithsonian spent $30,000 restoring it. Okay. Um, so That's... while many of her works did not survive, some of her pieces can now be found at the uh, at Howard University Gallery of Art, Detroit Institute of Art, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the Baltimore Museum of Art. She recently became the subject of a Google Doodle uh, that pictures her working on the death of Cleopatra, and also the New York Times featured her on July 25th, 2018, in its Overlooked No More series of obituaries written about women and minorities whose lives have been ignored by newspapers because of the cultural pre prejudice re uh, revered by white men. Also known as the whole reason we have this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or us. Um, <laughs> 
so just some last things in 2017 a GoFundMe uh started in Greenbush New York by a historian Bobby Reno was successful in having her grave restored okay Aww. uh so it was work uh done by like a company in London that they paid to kind of like keep it nice and clean it up and stuff in 2002 she was named on a list of 100 greatest African Americans in all uh, in in 2022, she was awarded a degree posthumously at Oberlin. Oh, okay. Good. So they she gave her a degree. She finally fucking figured it uh -huh. out. <laughs> she probably had 85s that whole time, too. Uh, <laughs> She's just, she, like, up in heaven like, you motherfuckers. Now she, you're trying to claim me. <laughs> yep. She was the only black uh, female artist who had participated in and be recognized to by any extent um, by the American artistic mainstream I guess of that time and the first African-American and native woman or sculptor to achieve national and then international prominence. Wow. Uh, so I love this quote from her. It says some, some praise me because I am a colored girl and I don't want that kind of praise. I had rather you point out my defects for that will teach me something. Aww. And that is the story of Edmonia Mary Wildfire Lewis. Fucking amazing. Thank you so much. Yay. I love that. Also, yeah. that last quote could also describe like women's only comedy shows. <laughs> no, that's I read it and I was like. You know how I keep picking people and then the more I research, I'm like, oh, that's why I like this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like one of those times. I feel I'm... like every time Katrina picks someone, we're like, oh, we see why you identify heavily with this person. No. <laughs> yeah. She's like, so she was like a weird social outcast who was just doing all this weird shit and she was mad, you know, like whatever. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I see it. I see it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my episode this that was week, amazing you month. did so good this is such a great episode and it i'm so excited is. to learn about this person i've never heard of before yay and that was my thing too when i started and said like oh i'm doing someone that i can't believe like i can't believe she's not the why george we... washington carver of art like why don't yeah. they even just throw her in as a throwaway that we would be like oh like yell at people because the only person they know is Edmonia Lewis. Right. I'm surprised that she didn't even make it that far into well, like, history. Like when I was a kid, we would do so like, you know, when you're in your art class every month, it's like, look at this famous artist. Okay. Now we're doing art like them. Uh -huh. So like we do Georgia O'Keeffe, we do Frida Kahlo, but it was like Frida Kahlo to my memory is the only non-white artist mm, we ever covered. Did that for. And it's like, you can't even just throw her a, a, a you can't throw her a bone in February. Like you can't just be like, hey, it's Black History Month. Is a short we month. found one. But we got one. Like <laughs> yeah. make some clay sculptures Right. Or That's like, what I mean. I can't believe she didn't even make that one token pick. Yeah. But it's for real. I guess also I feel like as black art, they just like let black women have spoken word. They were like, we'll just let you. <laughs> You can just have all the poetry and books. Like I kind of wonder look at you and I kind of wonder if part of it was she was born free mm -hmm. and then moved to Italy. Oh yeah. And I'm sure America cuz that's the whole thing is like cuz it doesn't have that bootstraps like Yeah, and it doesn't have narrative. this long American it's history. She doesn't she doesn't sell in a way that you can Yeah, cuz it is kind of yeah. like hey, 
Um, they definitely don't want to support so the narrative left. in like fourth grade black kids and be like yeah it sucks here so you should just make as much money as you can and then get the fuck out because that's pretty much what she did <laughs> I mean yeah she's like yeah this country is so racist I had yeah. to leave uh-huh. and I bet you're right that doesn't make a great narrative to teach children because they're like wait no. we're yeah, racist this, what happened then... to me like oh she left and went to Italy because it's horrible here yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no where, and you can't even be like oh born a slave and have this like mm-hmm. fucked up because I remember in elementary school the fucking disgusting like romanticization 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 I said it just like you did I think <laughs> okay cool I <laughs> think we said the same way we did yeah but like just this idea of like oh they were born into slavery and then they either bought their freedom or Abraham Lincoln is such a nice guy and he said all the slaves could be free now like I just right. it, there was like that element of it in february mm-hmm. always every year where it was just like oh well you know bad thing and you're right and it definitely was like oh well, she wasn't a slave in. So. yeah and that was something that i kind of starting to research her and i'm constantly checking myself on this but like i have like internalized like chip on my shoulder because i was immediately like not like oh she was born free because i was also born free but <laughs> <laughs> like being like oh well like all of this is because she was mixed like yeah she uh, like the fact that she had family to go to that were native people that could sell things so, and not like it was so much better but like yeah. they could support her that her brother could free. leave as like a mixed person and go to yeah. the gold rush and make money and come back and buy property and do yeah. all of these things that like i always when it comes to black things in general i'm hypersensitive to like okay but did you pick the lightest black person you could find because they are not the blueprint for look how well this worked yeah, yeah. um no but that makes a lot i had of to sense. like check myself on that a lot while researching her and Which, actually you know acknowledge it, that it was horrible that, and hard I mean, that's fair <laughs> because it's also like you have to think about how resilient her mother's sisters were yeah to not only be able to keep their children out of a like orphanage or other bad the reservation school like Mm, the what did they call fuck what did they call those they were like re they were almost like those education camps horrible yes they were absolutely it was it was that no i know where they were trying to like uh christianize everybody and yeah, yeah. They yeah. Put their hair yep, and you yep, want to yep. let the, and Speak like the mass yep. graves that they're yes finding. like yeah. yep. so the You're fact right. that her mother's family was able to support themselves them the, as native children like, well it sounds like they already had business that they kind yeah. of were like yeah. i'm gonna take your family but we've already been supporting ourselves yeah. this way um so yeah like it's hard for all the minorities. But oh fuck! I have man, to. It's... I have to constantly not play into the division that naturally occurs because of society and classism. Where you're like, yeah, but you're the black they like. Of course you did better. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Like, but not taking that to take away all of someone's, you know, like talent and everything that they had to work towards or work through. So, well, and like, thanks, Edmonia. Struggle too. Like, cause, <laughs> yeah, she still, like, she still experienced so much struggle and adversity and all yeah. that other stuff. It yeah. was just slightly less bad. Right. Yeah. Not that this is at all the same, but I was looking at a tweet about Machine Gun Kelly earlier today <laughs> and. <laughs> 
I am so excited to see how these tie together. Beautiful pivot. <laughs> Let's hear it. Because uh, he was on Drew Barrymore talking about how sad he was while he painted her nails. And everyone okay. was just like, like, he was basically like, hey, thanks for being really nice to me because I'm not having a good day. And I was worried about going on this interview and having to like pretend to be happy. Okay. So okay. like, thanks for being nice. And it's so funny because you were both reacting on exact opposites of the duality where Andrea was like, oh, poor him. And Jordan was like, yeah. Uh, because that's what it was. I feel like there were people that were like, oh my gosh, yeah, like she's so sweet to him. And then there were other people that were like, okay, so I'm going to listen to him cry about the same shit that I have to do at customer service every day. Right. Like, I'm constantly crying behind my smile, dude. And like yeah. people were basically having that argument where like just because he has these other things that are yeah. good that are advantages doesn't mean that he's not allowed to feel this way. And I had to, you know. Well, we have friends. <laughs> we we all have friends who are like kind of famous now or they're like doing really well financially in their art field. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget that just because you're successful doesn't mean you're not lonely and sad. Right. A lot of especially like comedians and creative people are still very sad right. people and they yeah. still feel isolated and alone and they don't have good self-esteem. Like no one is screaming into a microphone every night for attention because they have great self-esteem. Because everything's going <laughs> well. And everything's, yeah. everything's going working well. Out. Yeah. Like artists generally right. have a difficult time with our own sense of value and we tend to externalize our value into the work that we create and that becomes our value. And so it's really hard to feel whole and be seen as a person and also like put your whole value in yeah. your art. But I can also yeah. see from the outside being another person that is not an artist at all, seeing any kind of success that takes other things off of your plate and being like, okay, well, yeah, I get sad too. And then I also have to worry about how I have to pay my gas bill yeah. and just yeah. like it making it exactly. harder. I guess that was my only parallel is that like yeah. there are ways that race and or class can make it harder for you to empathize with someone. Yes. Yes. Even regardless of whether or not it's valid, like you can know it's valid and still have to fight the yeah, but in your head of like it is hard for me a lot of like, times yeah, to empathize with rich and people he's yeah. fucking rich yeah, like, yeah. yeah. you're oh, dealing yeah. No. with certain things Absolutely. where it's like yeah i would be because and it's also because i'd I, also like to cry on the drew barrymore show like who fucking cares I no i'm crying for free in my apartment here yeah, that's kind of what the argument would be like yeah but your safe space is the drew barrymore show oh, like yeah. live painting nails in front of an audience that's so like, funny so there's so many different ways to look at it, but yeah but so. i also like and this is a completely on the other side of it though uh i definitely understand like having to kind of i have had to hold back this entire thing and be like my family's from ireland we did not get here until the end of the 1800s like it was like 1914 uh -huh. when they landed right we were not involved yeah. i'm so sorry yeah. like i don't it's just this like constant white guilt where i'm like no no no. you don't have to center the conversation on that. <laughs> yeah like like you can know inside your body that you didn't own slaves jordan yes. it's cool exactly no but it is like my family's from germany they were doing some other fucked up oh, shit geez. like it's <laughs> 
it, just like, because they were othered in some sense doesn't mean that they weren't all the, also othering. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Jordan yeah. started this, and Andrea was just like, "Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> so sorry." Yeah, no, I'm just like, all right, the whole family. Like, I am second generation American. We mm. were not on American soil until. Well, because I just realized 1910s not even correct because it was later when my but grandparents the thing, were born. The thing that I, re- I read this really or read, I listened to this really interesting talk and I don't remember the name of the woman that said it, but it was this idea that like every time immigrants come to America, we trade our culture for whiteness because that's what mm-hmm. protects us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you trade like your cultural values like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm German. I speak German. You give all that up so yep. that you can look white, so yep. that you can fit in, so that you yep. don't get made fun of and, and so that you, you can oppress it, others. You get it taken away from you sometimes or beat no, out of you or yeah. whatever. That's yeah. what happened to my grandfather because mm-hmm. he was from Italy but and you, he came over and didn't speak a word of English and like he was very Italian. Like this man ate raw garlic every single day because it's good for you and he's from the countryside. It is good for you. <laughs> he like, no, he's <laughs> just like, it's sick. good for your teeth. It's good for all, your immune system. But like, yeah. he is old world Italy and so they really tried to beat the shit out of him mm. constantly to the point where he would tell us like, or you know that I have dementia if I start speaking Italian again because like I was not allowed to speak Italian wow. after we got mm. here. <laughs> yeah, that's dark as shit, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening to Pollard. <laughs> anyway, another, we'll just you another know. another riveting episode. <laughs> this is awesome, though. I really appreciate you both for listening to me get through that. It was uh, amazing. It was yeah, a great episode. You did incredible. And I was honestly just excited. You know, like it's it's always great to hear a story you've never heard before yeah and to learn about i mean like i am constantly surprised almost every time we do this podcast at how many female artists and especially like black female artists i've never heard of right as someone who actively seeks stuff like this out i went to art school like i (laughs) and i mean on your own like to look for female artists and stuff absolutely be someone who is like on purpose googling this shit and we're still finding yeah it's awesome but yeah so if you like this episode or any of the other episodes or want to make sure that you don't miss an episode in the future please feel free to follow us um on instagram and our rss feed and twitter at pavangard p-o-d-v-a-n-t-e-g-a-r-d-e there's no e did i do the other i was looking at it I was looking at it to make sure that I didn't. Um, you know what? Frankly, it'll it. pop up. Yeah. You'll be no, fine. Do it. Like, yeah. If you type in Podvant, you'll find it. It's, we show yeah. up. Yeah, but... Or if Pod- you follow Andrea and think that that's where our <laughs> podcast is. You can also just follow Andrea and then be very confused at the content that you're getting that... If you don't know, has what a lot to do with Squirtle. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, Jordan, we talked about it in our Patreon episode. But Jordan's mom has been trying to access our podcast by following me on Instagram <laughs> and, and watching. You, she watches all your videos. She watches all and, and and was watching something that she happened to think was the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. which is apparently just reels of Andrea. Like, I was like, where did you? Not you our podcast. She, okay. she she thought that our podcast was one minute increments of one person. <laughs> oh, um, but I have to point this out because she was very bummed out my mother is a very brilliant woman who has a degree in mechanical engineering and has worked for nasa 
She just has trouble with phones. Oh, I was about to but say, to, I did yeah. like, not for a minute put this past anything but a mom and a phone. Oh, no, like, absolutely. This is only moms with phones. That, this that's is what I told her, but yeah. she yes. was like, you don't tell people that I'm smart? And, and I was like, like, oh my God, mom. No. We talk about that all the time. It's not as funny as you thinking a podcast was on Instagram. individual friend's Instagram. That's like, so funny. If anything, it makes it even funnier that you're smart. <laughs> Because it proves that it's a mom thing. It oh, is yeah. no it it does not discriminate. It's just moms. Like it's phone beautiful. literacy is a different kind of intelligence. If you want a wonderful bit about that, look up Tommy John again. Yes! Mom computer. I love that bit. It's One of the so best great. bits of all time, you will thank me. Incredible. <laughs> That is great. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you like me as a person, you can follow me. I'm Katrina. I was the one that talked the most this time. Uh, <laughs> at Katrina Savad. That's uh, just S-I-V-A-D. It's Davis Backwards on my website and Instagram and everywhere that you find stuff. And you can like find me do stand-up shows or watch my special. Yeah. Uh, if you fly United soon, <laughs> you can watch I'm fly it. United next month. I go see if it's still up. See, <gasps> I want to see how long. Again. Also, that <laughs> I am watched it. It's I'm really interested good. to see if I rolled over to the new year. Okay. They might have they might have refreshed it by now, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm been, so excited. I love getting screenshots of people watching my stand-up in the sky that's incredible I, I do also like i know there's a lot of other things you can watch but i still feel like it's a little bit like holding people hostage, hostage and yeah. if they watch my special <laughs> you're stuck in the sky but you're at thirty thousand feet and you're gonna laugh at these jokes <laughs> if you don't laugh at my joke your delta wi-fi will go out um there's nothing <laughs> i have that's, it set up that's what the pilots are monitoring <laughs> yeah these flights yeah um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, if you guys want to get bonus episodes, we have a pretty solid catalog. We're doing at least one bonus episode a month and we're trying to build that up. But obviously we have to pay Elliot, our uh, editor. And so we're just trying to get it to a point where we're not going in the negative to do more episodes. Right. Um, but we do have bonus episodes every month on our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash If you want to mail us something, I just renewed our P.O. box that <laughs> apparently expired in October. It was a whole thing. It took me an hour, but I got the same box number. So if you just type in P.O. box 366, address it to Podvant Guard or address it to Andrea Gazetta, Adrian Gazetta, P.O. Box 366, South Pasadena, California, 91031 is the actual address. You can actually mail us something, and I actually have keys that work and aren't expired, and I put it on a system so it just auto-renews. Oh, nice. So, so my ADHD won't forget it. I went, in, I went in, and the dude was like, you got a notice in October. I was like, I thought it was just last week. I don't understand time. I have ADHD. He's like, well, you should be more up on this. I'm like, I have ADHD. I'm doing my best. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, you can send us stuff. Send us books. Send us art you've made. I don't know. Whatever. You, yeah. Just anything. Make that auto renew worth it, baby. Hell yeah. Um, and if you like me individually, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. On Twitter at Sundress Comic. Uh, I also have my own Patreon. You, it's a sticker club. They're exclusive stickers. It's really fun. And if you want to see my art in person, I have a bunch of shows coming up. The best thing Woo! to do is to just check my website, andreagazetta.com slash CV. I'm going to have work up in the between January, February. I will have work in Philadelphia, uh, Australia. I think Brunswick is the city. Um, Chicago, Chicago. 
a couple of shows in LA. So there's just a bunch of chances. If you want to see my art in person, you can check it out. So that's what's up. That's amazing. Yeah. I like it. I like, um, I like when you talk about your art being places. And also if you live in LA, it's a great, time to hang out at Corey Helfer gallery yeah there's this, the last unicorn show actually this is your last it's week like to last catch week it. yep so but i went there it was super cool the music's awesome it was like a nice space to walk around in alone i'm gonna bring my dad there to prove to him next week he's coming he's gonna be here on monday and tuesday and i'm gonna bring him there to be like look i'm a real artist right yay right? it's um <laughs> check it I, out the placement of yours is good too in it's the gallery I great like. placement it hadn't it hasn't sold yet so you could buy my art for you lots of buy money it. please do it it's It'll amazing yeah every time you look at that painting you can look at some different part <laughs> i always feel really guilty because you guys talk about like having to prove to your parents and i'm like i'm unemployed and crocheting and my dad called me i was me about to say out of me meanwhile <laughs> jordan's dad facetimed and told all of us to have a great episode like jordan's dad supports the whole podcast my dad doesn't even understand how podcasts work he was like can you put it on my phone i was like my dad's Don't constantly my just yelling at me to send him youtube clips <laughs> just so, uh yeah so you can find me at the goonie bird if you want to see my face and at goonie bird crafts if you want to buy art um Jordan's making these adorable crochet mushrooms right now. Oh my gosh. They're so fucking cute. Here's the thing. I want Jordan is so insanely talented. She made up her own pattern. I was just about to say, she showed us this insane thing and then was like, oh, and I don't know anything about crochet, but she was like, I made the pattern. So basically she just free balled a mushroom and it's (laughs) adorable. I did. And I wrote the pattern as I was making it. That's crazy. I was like, I don't know, but I have a vision. They look so good. I did the same thing with the the possum that I'm working on. My brain doesn't work that way. I would have a lot of trouble doing that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of eyeballing and math and pretending that I can count uh, (laughs) when I can't. And you know, it just, it works the way it works. So, um yeah those are gonna be i'm gonna make a thing about when those are gonna be up um if you want a portrait you can still get them on my etsy if you want a couple's portrait message me the pricing and what's the, your etsy handle uh the uh, Gooniebird crafts okay um but you can message me on instagram if you want a couple's portrait it is a different process and it will have lots of eyes hopefully yes, yes. or fire or whatever or like halos or teeth i don't know whatever you want to do so many teeth if you actually you know what if you want if your a partner couple, is a great white shark nah, no 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 <laughs> hold on i got one better if okay. you want a couple's portrait of you as saint Teresa and yes. your boyfriend as the cherub that is stabbing saint Teresa, yes uh call me right now i might do that for free if dick you are out. interested dick out <laughs> <laughs> on the chair okay out. first off i interpreted you saying dick out wrong at first where i thought you were like trying new slang of like most definitely i didn't like, say that though she i know did. Oh. but like you were talking about how much you would definitely do it for free and i yeah. thought she was like dick out like hell yeah i'll do that and i was like is that a thing that we're doing now it's like i'll do that dick out i was like I'm okay TikTok too much <laughs> here's the thing if we I thought she was like yes ending how much you would do it by yelling dick out and i was like okay i'm okay with this we are this outro has taken 45 minutes but like we've never had a short outro ever
guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and... Part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgarde. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that you know we're not looking to get rich I don't think that's ever been our goal I don't think we ever think that could be our goal but what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh, with cult podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>